to Let's Talk Robotics. I'm your host, Nikki, and thank you so much for joining me from wherever you're in the world today. Thanks to Anchor, that is my sponsor for the podcast, as well as the major sponsor for Generate 22, which is a robotics and AI conference to be held over two days on 30 and 31 March at Boxhill TAFE in Lilydale campus. Anchor is an advanced manufacturing company of CNC grinding machines, automation, motion control solution, and sheet metal fabrication. Anchor's technology was and is revolutionary for the industry. In the early days, Anchor introduced System 32, which for the first time applied advanced robotic software tool grinding, which enabled significant opportunities for simplifying the grinding of cutting tools. Anchor continues to embrace new technology in their team of experienced engineers and technicians to deliver world-class products to customers in and around the world. So thank you very much to Anchor for their continued to support. Hello, and I'm, I'm delighted to be introducing you to Michael Larkin, my guest today, and he's the managing director to, together with his wife, Janelle, and they founded Fulcrum Robotics in 2013 with one crawling robot down in Hobart. So Mike, Welcome and thanks so much for joining me today. No worries, Nikki. Thank you very much for having us. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey to starting Fulcrum Robotics. Well, I think it started around 2013 uh, and 14. I was in the executive energy space and um, sick of corporate life. And I went consulting for a few years, which was fun, but always I was never home. So always had a bit of a technology bent. So I said to Janelle, I think we should get into robotics and help companies manage risk. So, which is really just a cover for me to buy something cool that I found on the internet. <laughs> so I, I found this cool thing, which is a, a deep tracker a pipe crawler called DT340. And I thought this was awesome. Pure intent was to have a, a bit of fun with it at home. And I was a little bit of a tax dodge at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> and um but then it, uh, you know, sort of evolved from there. We, uh, a client took particular interest in it and we adapted sensors to it, we modified it, um, and we turned it basically into a, a long-range crawling system, which we actually still use it today, just to help clients manage confined spaces and, and other, you know, closed environments. So, yeah, it started with that and and then it's grown into a, a multifaceted unmanned sensor company that works mainly in the environmental and infrastructure sectors um, to infrastructure owners and those that manage the environment, be that the regulators or those that have businesses within the environment, such as aquaculture companies. So, yeah, it's been pretty rapid. We've doubled our revenues every year of operation and, and our people. And... Um, We've successfully outgrown three premises in the last few years and we're in the process of constructing a new one um, in uh, Tassie here and uh, and opening up a, a presence in Queensland. So it's, you know, keeping up with it's been a challenge. <laughs> Listen, congratulations with your journey. It's an absolutely fantastic story and I love your tax dodge. Um, who out there um, as a, a start of a business has not thought of this and the ATA I'm sure is listening into this and will be um, auditing us soon and uh, but yeah. really you know the the thing is innovation sometimes it's just 
just simple as that. It's not there. Exactic had a slightly similar journey of us buying one telepresence robot and then eight years later, the, the business um, has expanded. Uh, probably not at your trajectory that you're describing to me, but nonetheless, like from little seeds come big trees. Yeah, that's right. And it's, um, you just got to learn how to adapt to the environment. And one of the, the things that I've really held close is don't have a business plan. Yeah. I know that people usually look at me in a shocked you know, look on their face. But if you have a business plan and you prescribe what you're going to do, when you're going to do it, you then have killed your business. You've basically constrained it. It's okay if you're selling bricks or if you're selling a commodity. But in technology, you can't be programmed. You can't be uh, forced into a corridor of behaviour that's typical. Um, it's just so damaging. You know, I couldn't agree with you more. And often um, it sets us up for failure because for a lot of startups and entrepreneurs out there, they're literally learning as they go. Although the average age, I would say, is in their 40s now, people starting yeah. their own businesses. And I think that's just because of the a journey of maturity that you get to and you go, okay, look, I think I've got the capabilities. But still, it's a, it's a huge learning curve. You know, you mm. and I were just touching briefly before we started recording on the adoption rate of technology and you know drones have been around for many years but you know as you mentioned getting your target audience to accept the fact that technology is changing and how you you're doing things talk to us a little bit about that journey well we deal with utilities and they deal on 100 year sort of asset life cycles so um, or in industries that have 40 to 60 year growth profiles particularly in forestry so getting them to change their ways uh, is is extremely challenging. Um, so, I mean, the approach we've adopted is let us show you, let us prove to you that we've got the systems, the practices, the, the people um, and the technology to change the way you do things. And a good example of that is recently we've undertaken a, a broad package of, um, of seeding for a local forestry company here to displace helicopter use. And we could show that we could cover in many cases, more area than a, a helicopter can, uh, more safely, uh, more efficiently and more accurately in terms of the selling rates and productivity and about half the cost. Um, and we did that, you know, in, in one day trial. So, you know, we're signing contracts now and, and getting on with displacing that, that um, particular alternative or replacing helicopters with an alternative technology, unmanned system. Another one's reservoir cleaning. Um, you know, one of our major clients here, Taswater, very sort of curious about not using divers to clean reservoirs. And um, we took them, took to them a, a solution, a crawling pump effectively. Mm -hmm. And now we've got a program with 50 to 100 reservoirs per annum cleaning. And so no divers go into those submerged confined spaces. So it's a matter of just being able to articulate how the technology uh, is going to benefit them, show them, and then deliver on that. I suppose, because my background's from utilities and infrastructure, so I have a asset owner mindset. So mm. what's really helped this company is being able to speak a similar language in terms mm. of risk and compliance to the people that we deal with. So that's that's really helped. But it's never never easy. No, know, but look, yeah, and look, I think it's it's up to the people representing the new technology to educate people. It's as simple as that. It's a journey you have to take them on and say to them, look, this is what this technology can do for you. I think I was reading a stat in India that talk about reservoir cleaning and 
drainage that uh, on average there's one worker a week that dies because of the work that they're doing there that drones wow. drones or could very easily be doing and i think that it's now being um, used in india as well yeah yeah we um we're displacing divers we're displacing working at height we're displacing helicopters we're um removing the need to do all kinds of work at, in high-risk environments um, and we're doing it typically a lot safer and a lot cheaper. So it's, you know, that's that's a lot of fun. Um, and it's great to see the response from the clients. Mm. Usually I find um, there's one advocate in each company that's a real technologist that pushes you through yeah. and he supports you through the change and then all of a sudden the opportunity blossoms. And I think that's the challenge with robotics generally and particularly um drones is making them business as usual um and i think we're we're moving that way but large companies seem reluctant to take on in-house or or to self-perform uav works so it's it's up for industry to, to collectively get together and try to articulate where these technologies and, and sensor payloads can be applied in a in a manner that actually gives them a practical benefit there's a lot of research activity that goes on that doesn't convert into commercial outcome. Um, we spend a lot of our time commercialising, you know, the research activities. You know, we use, use a, take a lot of time to commercialise new sensor technologies. We're really focused on the commercial aspects of, of unmanned systems and sensors. And I think I've, I've said this before in a couple of drone podcasts. I think there are over 2,000 drone suppliers now in Australia because, of course, they have to register with CASA. So that's where we're getting these figures from. It's an absolutely amazing industry and just booming. And um, the usages from, you know, as recent in Melbourne as they, you know, show that they put on. Sydney put a phenomenal show on that uh, Merrigan yeah. was involved in. Yeah, like the team up there is just absolutely phenomenal. So yeah. you especially specialize in unmanned systems now including UAV so you can explain all these acronyms that I'm throwing out now they ROVs and UGVs so why the range and diversities well the markets that we move in um, um, environmental and infrastructure and that doesn't really discern between whether it's an asset or an environment's submerged or terrestrial buried or in the air so we bring the three platforms together to provide a data set effectively. For example, if we're completing a piece of bathymetry work, which is a survey of, a, say, a lagoon, uh, to determine what the profile of the floor of the lagoon is, we'll match that with LIDAR data to give a, um, an aerial view on the, um, on the infrastructure and a total volume analysis of the site. Um, so we just really couldn't play in one sandpit in terms of um, you know, just UAV work because uh, it's it's more than that. Customers need to know about tunnels. They need to know about the dam wall from a thermal perspective. They need to know, um, you know, again, what the, the digital surface model is for a particular high-risk site, but how that relates to a tunnel that's nearby is important to them or how that relates to seepage in a tunnel. And then over time, how that asset is moving and changing over the, its life cycle, which might be you know up to 100 years. So that's why we've brought the technologies together. And it, it seems to be a pretty popular thing. We're actually developing our own crawling systems 
now with a, a company based in the US. In terms of just your personal growth into this, because I'm assuming, you know, as you onboarded the new technology, you basically learning everything yourself. How have you managed this then? You know, I tell you, because, you know, I was saying to someone the other day that, you know, I'm, I'm specific in one area of robotics and that's, you know, telepresence and social and educational robots. It's a very niche area that I work in. And I look at what's going on around me and I don't know how people stay current and up to date with everything that's happening. It's there's just a mind, mm. like there's so much happening concurrently. How did you navigate this and your learning curve? Ah, oh boy, that's a really good question. I'm a little bit OCD. <laughs> so <laughs> when I get fixated on a technology or a product, uh, you know, I'll research it right down to the last millimetre. Yeah. Um, and I just really do, and I hate the word, but I really am passionate about um, the technologies. I grew up around remote control cars and yeah. I was always rewiring my mother's microwave and blowing it up and doing all that sort of stuff. So it's sort of in my blood. So I get energy from that and I, I just thoroughly enjoy it. And because I, I grew up in a, you know, in a, I started in a trades world and went through engineering and into generator operation and highly technical fields, um, I was sort of able to apply the disciplines that I learned formally, link those to my passions as a kid and, and now this crazy business has emerged that has all these crazy crawling and swimming and whatever robots and it's people look at me and they say can you just explain to me what your business model is and I, <laughs> there you go. I, say, I, <laughs> I make money that's my business model I, yeah. I provide solutions yeah. and I make a living yes yeah. <laughs> you know you have to apologize to your wife Janelle because I sort of feel that she should have also been on the podcast and please extend my apologies but we're going to talk about her a little bit in her absence and I hope she doesn't mind what does she yeah. do in the in the business with you well, we run it together. Essentially, she's uh, she pulls the financial strings. She manages the ins and outs, and um, and helps uh, manage the team. Yeah. Um, and the program. So yeah, very very involved. Um, she also helps, you know, basically raises our boys as well, and does all the other stuff in life yes. while I just focus on robots. Um, yeah, she's been a pivotal part of it. Without her, we wouldn't be here effectively yeah. because. Uh, she brings uh, a sense of balance and um, she uh, uh, sobers my enthusiasm for significant capital investments in robots that don't have a market and that sort of thing. So basically um, you're saying she's the same, sensible, mature one yeah. in the, the relationship yeah. and you um, you are whatever you are. So. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Depends on the day. <laughs> Well, kudos to Janelle and um, tell her in a follow-up podcast, she will be sitting in the guest chair and we will be discussing you a little bit. No, look, I think it's fantastic. And um, I'm always delighted to hear of companies that are run, uh, husband and wife and, and good teams. I mean, I think it is a little bit of a challenge. You know, I don't know if you tend to get home at the end of the day and you actually have to draw a line and don't talk about the business. And actually, we've got a family that we need to focus on. Yes, Absolutely. You know, we seem to be managing that well now. And, uh, um, you know, we've got some big things coming up, uh, the new warehouse and office construction, which will be quite a big facility, but it looks at the plans. And um, we've got some big contracts coming up in um, uh, with the resources company in, the, in Queensland. And um, so it's, uh, for me, I look at it and go, so what is the trajectory? What is the profile? When does this flatten out? Yeah. Um, 
you know, when does the spend, where is the spend going? Do we focus on technology or is it uh, software systems or is it human, um, you know, investment? Getting that balance right is so important. We've got a spatial scientist here, uh, Craig, and he said to me the other day, he said, your market is just so diverse. You have so many clients, so many products and so many different services, all leveraging robotics, drones, UGVs and ROVs, those three three systems. And it's just, he said, it's incredible. But the downside is the software that you need to deliver a product for a client, mm. there's no one killer application. So there's, you know, we've got lots of subscription services mm. and software yeah. and that we use. And so managing that is really challenging. Well, you mm. know, I, I think, can I, Anchor is my major sponsor and I spoke, I spoke to uh, Pat Boulant the other day, they were sponsoring my uh, conference that's coming up and he said to me, um, in answer to your question of which resources do you look after most, it's people. It's always people. People, people, people. And then the rest flows from that. So my answer yeah. to your dilemma is obviously you invest in your people because it's always about the people and then the technology that they use to get your business, you know, doing your business. Yeah, yeah so, I suppose the, it's chicken and egg though because what I find, I totally agree with that, um, but in order to attract the right people, you sort of need the technologies to attract them. Yeah, no, uh, I know. It's a bit of a, yeah, I agree. It's a bit yeah. of a chicken and egg because they're looking at you as, I would certainly not class as a small startup anymore. I would think you well past that that phase. But, you know, if you look at 2013, what it's eight years around there, if you looked yeah. at, you know, I look at myself and I still in some ways class myself as a startup just in terms of the financials, but I'm way beyond that. So it's, it's a bit hard to judge, yeah. you know, like where yeah. are you in the journey? Yeah, exactly. And that's what I think you need. You need a good person, a good mentor outside the business that can provide that lens to you. Oh, that's an excellent point. And, and speaking of that, do you actually have um, a mentor that sort of looks into the business and gives you some guidelines? Yeah, I've got a, from my working life, I've probably got three or four with different majors in different backgrounds. And so I can have different discussions with them about the challenges that we're facing. And yeah, so you, you've absolutely got to have that because you just get so buried in the moment. Yeah. And um, yeah, having those people that can just drag you back from the, uh, from the, um, the, the mire, the mess is yeah. so important. Yeah, yeah you need to, yeah, and you need to see the bigger picture as well. Like you've got a whole, don't look mm. just the tree, you've got the whole forest and then, you know, you've actually got a sky as well that you need to focus on. Yeah, exactly. Very so true. You, you provide benthic habitat surveys. You can explain to me what that is using ROVs in the salmon industry. Tell us a little bit more about this. So it's basically environmental compliance. Okay. So we, I can't name the companies, but we represent two or three companies here in Tassie uh, re in relation to the benthic habitat and compliance to the regu regulatory framework. Mm -hmm. um, so that means practically we've got a whole fleet of uh, deep tracker ROVs here um, and we um, have two commercial uh, vessels in survey working one on the west coast in Tassie and one in the channel in yeah. the south and um, you know basically every week we're out there surveying the seafloor for the uh, environmental impacts um, yeah and it's 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 quite busy that we've got I think four five environmental scientists that work for us now with with majors in aquaculture um, with formal ROV 
qualifications and um, coxswains tickets and you know so they're highly qualified highly educated um, practical in-field professionals so and in fact just about the industry you know in terms of drones and and robotics one thing you've got to have you've got to bring a major to your opinion or the data that you're sourcing um, to validate it otherwise it's a really challenging industry to navigate if you've got to bring that expertise in or can't provide that advice. But, yeah, so that's a, they're multi-year agreements that we've got with those two companies and hopefully we'll have the third one lined up shortly. So you've got nine staff members. When I reached out to you at seven and now you're nine, so how things change in just about a month. Talk about attracting talent. Where do you find these people and are they, are they from Tasmania or have they moved down to Hobart? Tell me how you navigate yeah. this. Oh, well, we've... Um, a lot of them are from Tasmania, so we yeah. uh, we had one recently who got poached by a European consultancy company, unfortunately, a few weeks ago. But he moved in from Brisbane. Uh, he was an environmental scientist and um, absolutely dead set keen to move to Tassie. Um, one fellow that's just started with us is from um, Rockhampton, and uh, he's a mechatronics and aerospace engineer, yeah. um, a bit of an overachiever, but. Um, you know, I'm sure you're going to be, uh, you're going to put him to good use. Don't worry. Yeah. Oh, he's been, yeah, fantastic. Um, so, and, and, you know, with respect to that fellow, Chris, his name is, um, he liked every post on our LinkedIn page and I was watching him for months and I actually found a, a friend of mine in, in Queensland said, oh, I know that bloke. And um, we got sort of hooked up and I, I just said, mate, here's a, here's a job come to Tasmania and fortunately his, his partner moved here at the same time so he's literally sitting six or seven meters away from me okay. um, I love that yeah, so, so yeah. yeah to prospective students or people looking for jobs go on LinkedIn like your prospective job, uh, bosses post and comment and you're getting <laughs> noticed <laughs> no, it's yeah, good. yeah it was really really good so yeah it's um the team is really solid and uh, we've got some the right skills mix, you know, like I said, really diverse yeah. engineers um, or from various backgrounds, um, spatial scientists, environmental scientists, um, all coming together. And you wouldn't, and even we're actually looking for a tradesman yeah. um, from the plumbing or electrical background. You wouldn't see a company with a mix of skills like that working, you know, such a small company working so closely together. Um, not in my experience, and you know, it sort of validates the comment that that Craig made about systems. They're so diverse. The mm. skills mix of people is so diverse. Um, you know, and very different personalities, but it, it seems to work. We spend more time laughing and having fun than you know, serious with frowns on working. But it's um, yeah, it's a good. Listen, good I, I hope you've been up at the drone congress and robotics up with Dr. Catherine Ball that they do every year up in Brisbane. She's got this massive, it's obviously been impacted a little bit by COVID um, and it's been basically online. I think last year there were some people there, but I'm hoping this year it's, it's going to be more in person. Awesome. You, you definitely yeah. need to get in contact with her and make sure that you get your drones up there and um, show your capabilities. Absolutely. No, we've, we've got some pretty special uh, drones. These are submerged terrestrial drones. 
yeah. I can't really say too much about them because yeah. I'm under a confidentiality deed, but yeah. they'll be coming into Queensland and I'd love to sort of show them around a bit. We haven't, I haven't been that active in that space. I, I need to improve my performance. And one of these I, guys has thought he could run the business all by himself. No, listen, I'm <laughs> going to have to speak to Janelle then. She can crack the whip. Look, you have to. It's essential. Um, and your networks, your informal networks. And, you know, I look at our industry, not our industry, the drone industry. I think there's enough room for everyone because there's just so much work and that that you can do in this space. Yeah. And I think collaboration is actually very, very important. So um, I don't know if yeah. you know Rob Sutton up in Queensland, Morrigan, definitely need to connect you with him as well. Yeah. They, they hold their own up in the space there as well. And again, collaboration is the way forward with everyone. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's... Yeah. Um... Make a note of him and, and yeah, find him on LinkedIn and connect with him, Rob Sutton from Murrigan. And they've got an office up in Melbourne as well. But like, as you say, awesome. you're not Tasmania. Now you're going off to Queensland where you'll have a presence yourself. Yeah, yeah, good fun. And, um... So as Tasmania's largest and man system service provider, tell us about some of the challenges you've had along the way. Oh, boy. I'd have to say, again, it's skilled people. Um, find the right people for the job. Mm. Um, who have uh, not so much well, skilled and the right attitude mm. uh, because even though the systems are unmanned and you look at that and go, it must be easier, some of, some of the places we work and the things we do are really challenging. So, um, you know, getting good, strong, re resilient, skilled people is, is hard. Um, renewal, every two years the technology goes through a life cycle. Um, so, you know, just raising the capital and saving the cash for tech renewal. Um, I've mentioned software and applications. Um, but then it's it's really just staying in front of the clients and staying relevant because, mm. you know, what we do isn't really front of mind for them. So being staying relevant and communicating is so important. Look, I agree with the, the technology. And speaking of that, do you get to a point where you've invested in drones and then they... They're not, you, you have to just park them and go, look, we can't use this drone anymore. Yeah, that's pretty much it. We've got, uh, I think we've got three M600s and um, a couple of M300s and a whole bunch of M200s. And yeah. really we've just parked the M200s and all the sensors and um, I don't sell them because there's probably no point. But, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just uh, it's a bit sad. Although the pipe crawler I bought in 2013 mm. is still going strong. But, you know, old Boris, he's had about five refits and, yeah. you know, he's been stuck <laughs> quite a few times and he's got a few scars. But yeah. it's, diff it's, it's actually different for each class of technology. Um, ROVs have really taken a step forward in the past few years. Yeah. Um, and, but drones just... You know, with battery technology doing what it's doing and sensor technology, yeah, you've got to be ready to renew every 18 months. Yeah. And I think speaking of battery technology, I mean, um, are, are the drones lithium battery-based? Are you using those? Yes. Those, yeah. Yeah, okay. all our systems are, yeah, lithium uh, polymer-based. Yeah. And has COVID impacted the business in terms of just supplies and things? Because... I believe there's a real bottleneck and some um, sensors and, and batteries not being accessible anymore. Look, um, in terms of our business, we doubled our business during COVID. Yeah. Um, we also sell DeepTracker um, robotics and Weedit 
uh, industrial cleaners and really haven't experienced a great problem with delivery okay. or timelines on delivery. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, I think because those two companies manage, manage their stocks pretty well. Pretty well. Yeah. So I, I do know it's had a bit of an impact in the drone space, but we were all pretty well set up on the aerial side of things when all that broke. So, so for any advice for budding entrepreneurs out there wanting to start their own business, like what would be, say, three, <laughs> let's limit it. I've got 11. <laughs> Give me 11. the 11. Give me the 11 takeaways. No, what no. what right. do they need Not to know? <laughs> I've actually written them down. Go for um, it. And some of these are controversial. Uh, don't be a startup for too long. Okay. Right. So if you stay a startup, you'll be perceived as one pretty much well, the clients will expect you to be super cheap. They yeah. treat you like a startup. Um, you've got to move from startup to services or an advice company pretty quickly and yeah. brand and market for that. Um, so building the business around you as an individual is quite a mistake, I think. Building the business around a product and a brand, a service, is is far more sensible. And I think that's what's enabled us to move to a services company perspective. Ethical, be ethical, be ethical, be ethical, and um, don't fall into the trap of making a quick buck. Yeah, um, that will kill your business instantly. Um, yeah, and in case you, business. yeah, in case you didn't get that, be ethical again. Like, let's just underline that. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's it to me, it's actually number one. If you if you can't be ethical and upfront and straight, you just get out of the game because yeah. the business will, the market will push you out. Um, dump the business plan. We've covered that one. Yeah. Um, uh, I like this one. Drop the hammer. So make decisions, move fast, and be decisive. Yeah. Don't go around in circles. Um, otherwise, you end up disappearing down a hole somewhere. Make the decision and get on with it. Um, don't be a me too supplier. So don't copy, don't react to competitors, and don't follow them. Mm -hmm. Right? It's too easy for people to go and so I'm going to do exactly what that guy's over there and I'm going to undercut him by 10%. Yeah. And that, that's just a death spiral. So particularly in this game where drone pilots are being trained up every week to go and fly, yeah. um, you've got to differentiate yourself. So solve multiples of problems, but don't try to solve everyone's problem. So I think that's what we, we do do here well. Stay diverse, multiple markets, services and technologies. Bring the major, which we, we spoke about before. You've got to have that qualified opinion. Don't window dress. So don't try to make yourself look bigger than you actually are because you will come unstuck when the client realises that, you know, you don't have 20 people. You don't yeah, have... You're actually four people you know, with maybe some family members. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just, it is what it is, you know, yeah. and be authentic. And yeah. Manage your overheads ruthlessly. Yeah. And um, hire right, treat them well. Listen, you know what? I think you should frame that. You should put this on your wall somewhere and go. I'll send you this. I'll send you my document. Please do, and just frame it and go for your, for for Fulcrum Robotics. You go some thoughts on how we've got where we are. I think that's very nice. That's very valuable, and that's actually I think is creating the work environment and your culture at work. Is it's exactly that? That's your work culture. Yeah. Yeah, well, thanks. I'll do that. I'll maybe yeah. the, the, 11, the 11 commandments or golden rules or something. According to Mike, as, as established on the podcast today. I like that. Yeah. That's wonderful. It doesn't Send mean it they're you. right. 
No, it doesn't. It just means they're yours. Like we, we are open for yeah. discussion. We're always open for discussion. But no, I like them, you know. And I think, I think to the point of um, saying you're bigger than you are, you know, I'm essentially a two-person company, maybe three when I'm, I'm getting someone in to help me with something. But that's what I am. I, I don't really aspire no. to be anything other than that. And I'm quite comfortable doing what I'm doing with just those resources. So it yeah. is because, you know, of course, you don't want to go, oh, the client's not going to work with us because we're small. But small is agile and small, if you're offering a good professional service, is worth its weight in gold. Absolutely. It doesn't mean you're any less than anyone else. Yeah. You know, in fact, it is there are many advantages of it. It's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we can move quickly. We can go to Queensland tomorrow if we want to. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> I the can't wish. imagine. <laughs> so, Mike, I'm mindful of your time. Tell me, any closing thoughts? And where can the audience reach you if they want to chat to you about any of this? Oh, look, I think, um, well, our webpage is still being um, switched on. So yeah. I think my phone number's on that. Yeah. Um, and I'm on LinkedIn, all the usual places. And uh maybe post some details up on on this link here but um yeah i mean I'm, I'm, i love a good chat i love to talk about the industry so anyone can give me a give me a call yeah so you've got an invite now connect with mike on linkedin and mike send me any links that you want me to put in the show notes and they can click from there get your website yep. up and running that's crucial for you <laughs> if i may add my two cents in there like Get, get it sorted out. I'm going to speak to yeah. Janelle and just say to Janelle, you just take control of this now, please. <laughs> Listen, thank you so much. It's been really, really nice chatting with you. I look forward to seeing how your company grows and expands and the work that you do. I definitely think you should start a blog page on your website and talk about the work that you've done. If you're allowed to, if it's not commercially sensitive, because I think you probably have some stories that you can you can tell people of uh, case studies. Oh, yeah, we have got some great stories. Yeah, yeah, no, I think it's fascinating, really. And you know what? It it, uh, it lends you the, the credence of your company and the work that you're doing, some of the cases. I always think it's interesting. Mm. Thank you. Thank you for your time today. No worries, Nikki. Thank you, mate. Chat thank you. And to our audience, thank you so much for joining us for another episode. I look forward to your company next week and wherever you're in the world, stay safe, stay happy and healthy and chat soon. Mm-hmm.